time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey everybody and welcome. It's Chrissy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here and this is episode number 63 of our podcast where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton. But most importantly, we hug chickens every day. And we kiss them, too. Don't forget. We brew coffee from a little coffee house here in Bel Air, Maryland. Holly Ann, what kind of coffee are we brewing today? This is caramel. Yes, it is. We it's drink a lot good. of caramel. And it's night again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another long day. Mm-hmm. So are you ready to sip some coffee and chat? I am. Let's do it. So your voice is sounding better. You're feeling better. Yeah. My voice box and upper throat were infected, probably opportunistic infection after COVID. Yeah. Antibiotics and steroids, and I'm like a new woman. Yeah, you're feeling really good. Feeling good. It's cold. It's going to be a bad end of the week for us. We're talking about ice again. Yeah, it's been really nice the last couple of days, like in the 40s. Today was really nice and yeah. warm out there. So was yesterday. Mm-hmm. The chickens were loving it. I'm like telling them, hey, live it up yeah. now. Exactly. Even the Nankins came out to get some sun. It was good. I said the same thing. You guys enjoyed today. Because, I know. But six more weeks and spring is I know. Six more weeks. It's always six <laughs> more weeks at this point. <laughs> While we're actually recording this episode, it is Groundhog's Day. We it can is, say yeah. that. Everyone knows we record early so that we have everything set up. Mm-hmm. Man, he saw that shadow. So now we have I six more weeks. I thought it was mixed. Some of the Groundhogs saw shadow and some didn't. I saw all over social media that six more weeks. No, I know I saw one of the groundhogs that didn't. I like that groundhog. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are. We are excited about today's episode. Yeah, we have a really fantastic guest. Yeah, we're so excited to be bringing that interview to everyone with Camille and Bree. It's really fun. So we're super psyched. It's been a pretty calm week, too. Nothing really going on much. No, I mean, we've done a lot of work for upcoming episodes. So we've been working a lot. Yeah. This is our probably second or third day this week working. Mm-hmm. We're working Saturday. So, hey, we're doing it. We are. Okay. So let me just take a minute to ask everybody a huge favor. If you are listening to our show and you're loving it, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a written review. We love reading them. We love hearing what you have to say. And it does amazing things for the growth of our show. And it means everything to us. If you're looking for other ways to help support the podcast, you can visit our Etsy shop, check out our t-shirts that we have on sale. You can become a patron of the show. Head over to Patreon, check out our levels of membership, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. You can subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. You can share your favorite episodes on social media. And the other thing you can do to help support the podcast is buy products from our sponsors. And don't forget to use our affiliate codes from our show notes. Yay! We have some exciting news to share from our sponsor, Grubly Farms. From now until the end of February, you can receive 20% off if you're a first-time buyer. I'm a long-time subscriber, and my flock love the healthy and nutritious grubs, plus all products ship free. If you haven't heard, Grubly's has a fantastic layer pellet and crumble feed. It's packed with plant and insect protein, perfect for those picky chickens and ducks. This offer does not apply to subscriptions and cannot come out with any other discounts. It's a great time to try Grubbly Farms if you haven't yet. Use the code COFFEE20. Try it today. Hey, Chris. Yeah. Do you like subscription boxes? Does it have anything to do with chickens? Of course. Then, yeah. Let me just take a minute to tell you about the Chicken Love Box. If you love goodies for your chickens and you, you need to go to chickenlove.com. I love the Mega Box. Tons of useful products and the chicken tea for me. You can't go wrong with a chicken tea. They are so cute and so soft. In the January box, I absolutely love the rooster bottle opener and the seed sprouting kit. I love the Poppy Adventures book and coloring book and the knitted headband is going to keep my ears so warm. Boxes start at $39 a month. They ship immediately after your order and shipping is always free. It's such a great deal. Don't wait. Get off the nest and click already. That's chickenlove.com. That's chickenluv.com. Get your subscription today. So now it's about that time. Breed Spotlight. Yeah. Yes. Breed Spotlight. We're doing a Bantam this week. Yes. And it's a booted Bantam. It's the booted Bantam, right? And if you think they're wearing boots, you're correct. Feather boots. Right. 
So the booted bantam, also known as the sable poot, is a true bantam that was developed in the Netherlands, Germany, and the UK. It's European. Mm-hmm. It's another Euro chicken. It is. And remember, true bantam means that there is not a larger counterpart. There's only this bantam. Exactly. The booted bantam have been in the U.S. for a long time as well. They first appeared in the American Poultry Association Standard of Perfection in 1879. According to the Belgian Duclean Booted Bantam Club of the U.S., the first booted bantams were brought to Holland, which is now the Netherlands, in the 1600s, probably from China or Burma. Okay. Some sources say that the booted bantam was a foundation breed for the adorable Belgian Duclay, but we found no hard and fast evidence to either prove or disprove this. They look like the Belgian Duclay. They do, yeah. They're lovely little birds, so they are similar in appearance to the Duclay. Yeah. But their faces are clean. They don't have any beard and no muff. Yeah, they're cute. I think they're really cute. They should be called the little sweetheart chicken. Well, since it's Valentine's Day week, yeah. they're our sweetheart chickens. I they think are. So. That's why we picked them yeah. for this week. They do share those same vulture-hocked, super feathery feet and legs. Oh, yeah. And in fact, sable poot actually means saber leg. Right. It's supposed to be a reference to the long, curving boot feathers. They're beautiful. They are beautiful. The booted bantams are a bit taller than the duclay. They have straight, moderate-sized combs and waddles yep. and red earlobes. Depending on age, sex, etc., there's a little bit of a weight range. Yeah. So you're looking at about 1 pound 10 ounces for a fully grown right. cockerel or rooster to about 1 pound 4 ounces for a pullet. Okay. Bantam size. Little ones. Yeah. Yeah. They are. Now the coloring. Yes. Whoa. They're beautiful. I have never seen this little spotted gray chest. That is a lavender modeled. We're going to talk about them in a sec. So the beautiful Buddha Bantam is listed in the American Poultry Association Standard of Perfection in five colors. They have the white, the meal floor, the porcelain, the black, the self blue, and the American Bantam Association has several more accepted colors, including buff, the golden neck, the gray, and the mottled. I like the modeled in mostly every chicken. I, that, gonna, I'm never shy about that. Right, exactly. And we're going to talk a little bit about the one you're drooling over in a second here. So the American Poultry Association notes that the Buddha Bantams arrived in the U.S. in the meal floor variety. And that variety was also very popular in Belgium, the U.K., and Germany. Right. And honestly, I think the meal floor is still the most popular color I'm sure. on the play. I'm sure. It's such a pretty thing. Yeah. In the UK, the breed is arguably more popular than the US, and there are even more color varieties available. Because they're over in Europe, so it makes more sense. Right. So there are meal floors, but they come in several varieties of meal floor. So there's gold, silver, lemon, buff white, and porcelain meal floor. Yes. Cuckoo, gold, and silver birchen. And then there are two different types of modeled. The black and the lavender. Exactly. Which I'm drooling over. That lavender modeled is really, really pretty. I didn't find it here in the U.S. That would be great. There's also a rumpless, and I really like saying rumpless version. <laughs> I can't even talk now. There is a rumpless version of the Buddha Bantam that apparently originated in a forest town in Germany. I think I saw it on here, too. It's really cute. It's in our awesome. show notes, I put a link to the U.K.'s Buddha Bantam Club, and you can see a photo of the rumpless Buddha Bantam on there. It's rumpless. It's unusual looking, yes. Are you telling me we're going to be talking about Edmund <laughs> Dixon again? Yeah. Edmund Dixon out of our breed spotlights for the love of it? Yeah, good old Edmund Dixon, writing in 1850s England, he declared that the booted bantams were all but extinct in the UK in the 1850s. But that's really interesting because we know that they were being bred in the UK 20 years earlier. Right. They did not appear in the first British poultry standard, which was published in 1865. So I don't know if there were just small pockets of them that were popular in some geographic areas. I'm not really right. clear on that. What we do know is that by the turn of the 20th century, the fancier bantams were definitely growing in popularity again in the U.S., the U.K., and the rest of Europe. And really, chicken shows are largely responsible for this. Right. And showbirds do appear to be the main occupation of the booted bantam. Sure, I can see that. They're cute. They really are They're a bantam. Birds. They're little. They're some wild color varieties. They're definitely little showbirds. Yeah. The fact that the APA has five colors and then the American Bantam Association has several more. Right. And then in the UK, there are even more. 
just shows how popular these birds are that they've been bred so much to create so much color variation. There's a lot of colors. I think it's one of the most color variations we've ever seen in a breed spotlight. Yeah, I can't say enough about how they're just little sweetheart the birds. The sad part is you can't get all these colors everywhere. Right. So right. we have a lot of countries around the world listening to us. Mm-hmm. So you might be able to find a variety of these colors where you are. Right. That lavender modeled. Chrissy still has a photo of the modeled lavender up on her tablet and is staring at it incessantly. It's so pretty. They're beautiful little birds. They really are. So in Wright's Book of Poultry, Lewis Wright mentions two interesting details about the booted bantams in the early 20th century. The first is that, in his opinion, the booted bantams of the day had been bred to look a bit too much like pekins or bantam cochins. Right. So they were bigger and featherier. I don't think that's the case with them anymore. They look like the diminutive little bird described in the breed standard. The second was a more practical suggestion, and he suggested that the cockerels have their excessive foot feathering trimmed back a bit around mating time because all those feathers made things a little unmanageable when the little guy's trying to, you know, tread on his hens. Trimming the feathers essentially removes them from the show ring. Yeah. But it must have been enough of an issue that it had to be done and, you know, even mentioned it in the book. Right. Which makes me wonder if there's anyone out there listening that does breed booted bantams, is this still something you have to do to make the mating process easier? Yeah, that would be interesting to know. Wright was also an advocate of covering at least part of your runs to give these little feather-footed beauties space to be out of the mud or wet ground, which is good advice for any feather-footed chicken, really. Yeah. Give them some dry space. It really took me a while to find much practical information on these little birds. Hens lay around two white or cream-colored eggs per week. Right. Like most bantams, they do go broody. They're said to be very good mothers. So we know they're not in your exceptional layers category. No, they're not. That's okay. They're sure birds. They're cute enough to make up for it. So where do you get these cutie pies? Where do you get them? The breed clubs are probably the best place to start. Right. Both the U.S. and the U.K. clubs keep breeder list. Okay. We linked both clubs in our show notes. In the U.S., I did find that some of the larger hatcheries carry them. If you are buying chicks, expect them to be straight run. Right. Otherwise, Google is your friend. Do some Googling for your area. See if you can come up with any breeders locally. Definitely. So there is the absolutely adorable sweetheart booted bantam. They're cuties. Have you heard of Strong Animals Chicken Essentials? They make natural supplements for your flock. Strong Animals has used plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Their products contain organic essential oils, prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to support the immune system and digestive health. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals health products. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today. Okay, everybody. So for our Valentine's Day, we have a super special guest today. So exciting. Two guests, actually. We're welcoming Camille Lacotte. Camille is the founder of Kids for Positive Change. She also has an amazing show on PBS, Wake Up with Brie. That might be a little hint on a few things. You may have seen them on PBS. Camille and her housemate, Brie, a gorgeous leghorn rooster, are our guests today on our Valentine's Day episode. Camille and Brie, welcome. Welcome. Thank you so much for having us, Holly and Chrissy. We are so happy to be with you today. We are so excited to meet you. We've been following you and Brie for a while. Yeah. And Brie is sitting with Camille, which we love interviews like this. This is the best. So if we hear him, we're keeping it in. We want Brie's word Absolutely. to be heard. His That's word right. needs to be heard. So Camille... Tell us a little bit about yourself and about your background. Well, again, my name is Camille Lacotte. I am the founder of Kids for Positive Change. And this is a education-based company that reaches, teaches, and inspires kids and adults to take positive action for animals, people, and the planet. I had no intention of starting Kids for Positive Change. I always say it found me, as did Bree. (laughs) And um, I know we'll talk about a little more in depth about that later in the show, but as far as a little bit about me, I used to be a professional ballet dancer turned actor and writer. It was a dream for me that I had since I was seven years old. I started dancing when I was seven and I fulfilled that dream on a New York City stage with the Martha Graham Dance Company back in the day. Amazing. It was amazing because all of a sudden after that huge performance run, I thought, okay, what's next? So I moved to LA 
where I was a professional actor for a number of years. I mainly did television commercials. And interestingly, it was on a commercial set that I met a friend, a fellow actor, and she learned about my love of animals and saving the rainforests and the earth. And she said, hey, would you come in and speak to my son's first grade class? And I did. And that's how Kids for Positive Change was born, which is a huge extension of what I do and what's meaningful to me. Once you were able to teach those first graders just once, it was in your blood and you were like, suck in that youth and say, okay, we can make a difference here. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's inspiring. I had basically been searching for what I was supposed to be doing with my life. I always say it was from couch to kids for positive change. Cause I get home after acting and being on a commercial set and it was great. And I loved it, but I would sit on my couch at night after the shoot and think there's gotta be something more. I can feel it. There's something more mm-hmm. I should be doing. And here I am with Brie. I kind of feel like that's how you and I were with this podcast. Like, yeah. We had an itch. I think it's in you somehow. Yeah. Like, we were talking and we were like, how can we get our message out? How can we take care for chickens to the next level? I was in, Chrissy was a stay-at-home mom ready to return to the workforce. I'm a historian. I was a history librarian, public librarian, and was perfectly happy in my job, but felt like there was something else I should be doing. Something more. Oh, yeah. That's it. So you know the that's feeling. It. Exactly. By that time, I had traveled. I had traveled to Borneo, Indonesia to study endangered orangutans. I had worked with a sea turtle rescue group. Like animals were such an intricate part of my life. They always have been. Interestingly enough, Although I volunteered at animal sanctuaries, which were sanctuaries mainly for farm animals, I never in my wildest dreams thought that I would have a chicken as part of my <laughs> So We absolutely love the story of how Brie came into your life. Will you please tell our listeners what happened? I will happily tell you. So it was back in 2017. I was working for a wonderful organization in New York City called Wild Bird Fund. I was spanning the phones that day and a woman called me and she said, oh my gosh, there's this very exotic bird lost on the street. And I said, okay. I said, well, what does it look like? She's like, it's yellow and it's fluffy and it's peeping. And I said, can you take a picture of this exotic bird? And she did. And she texted me the picture and I looked at it and it was a chick, as in a chicken, which I always say, um, Holly and Chrissy, it was exotic, right? For New York City. Exactly. So this wonderful woman was kind enough to take the chick off the street She brought it into Wild Bird Fund, where pretty much I instantly fell in love with this little fluffy yellow ball of love. And out of my mouth, it was involuntary almost. I said, well, I'll take the chick home. (laughs) That always happens. Right? Right. Right. I know. I'm like, what am I doing? I've never raised a chick before. So I brought this little Bree home. He was named by a staff member at Wild Bird Fund. And I did not know if Brie was a boy or a girl, because it's very hard to know when they're that young. Yes, yes it is. So here was this little chick peeping, peeping, peeping. Brie would nestle in my sweatshirt. I'd take Brie everywhere with me. A really funny story. I'm at my exercise class in the morning and I'm thinking, well, he's starting to peep, but the music was on. Well, then it was like the, it was like the final stretch, right? Where everyone was like all Zen and meditative. And he's like, peep, peep. And I'm like, oh, oh, that must be my alarm on my phone, right? I'm trying to call my teacher. So this went on for a couple months. My roommate was just incredible and helped me with Brie as Brie grew and grew and grew. And as Brie was getting bigger, I was keeping my fingers crossed because. (laughs) Thank you, Brie. (laughs) You tell us, baby. So I was keeping my fingers crossed because I had an animal sanctuary that I love and respect very much. Catskill Animal Sanctuary. And I said, hey, I have this chick. And they said, Camille, if the chick ends up being a hen, we can take a hen. We simply do not have room for any roosters, unfortunately. So my fingers were crossed, right? I'm like, okay, come on, Brie, be a hen, be a hen. And my roommate texted me one day and said, your hen just crowed. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. But in the end, it was the biggest blessing ever. It was the biggest blessing ever. You know, I decided, of course, then to adopt Brie. I could not stay in New York City under New York City laws. You can have hens. You cannot have roosters for a number of reasons, mainly right. the noise, even though jackhammers are louder than most That's roosters. Right. Sometimes Loud people's dogs. kids are louder than a rooster. <laughs> yeah. You can't have them. So I made the decision for the love of Brie. I moved back to my hometown here in Ohio, where we live, where he became part of my family. Amazing. Does anyone have any idea how that solitary chick was wandering the streets of New York? You know, our biggest guess is it was shortly after the Easter holiday. Some people think it's a fun idea to get live animals like chicks or bunnies to put in holiday baskets. And then they realize those animals, you know, they make a lot of noise and there's a lot of poop involved. So that's an educated guess. Unbeknownst to me at the time, and it probably surprised some of your listeners, unfortunately, there are a lot of slaughterhouses in New York. Really? Oh, I didn't know that. Particularly in Queens and Brooklyn. So he could have been a shipment, an escapee. We will never really know. One lucky, lucky, one lucky boy. And he is gorgeous. We're going to put some clips up of us speaking on our Instagram so people can actually see him. And you know what? They should all follow your account. It's Bree and me on Instagram. It's amazing. Holly and I talk about his antics all the time while we're talking. (laughs) We're like, did you see Bree reading the paper with Grandpa today? (laughs) Love it. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, did you see that he does his wings out for grandma? I'm like, this is amazing. So cute. <laughs> Chrissy has one solitary leghorn hen, and she's a beautiful little head. Oh, my gosh. Lucy, and she has a floppy comb. And I remember saying to her a few years back, have you ever seen Bree the Rooster? Because his comb is the ultimate comb. He is a cool. classic leghorn. Oh, man, we should have brought Lucy in. I mean, yeah. we would love it for sight. Wow. We'll have to set up a little meet and greet. A play date. I think so. A play date. (laughs) For Bray and Lucy. Absolutely. That is amazing. Okay. So what we all want to know is, what does it look like an average day for you and Bray? Well, Chrissy, every day starts around 4.30 (laughs) a.m. And by default, it starts for me as well, because Bree, yes, does sleep in the house. He has his own little room with his roosting bar. He's a gentleman. He knows that 4.30 is a little too early for me to wake up. So he'll crow a couple times and say, hey, mom, I'm up. But then he'll stop. And I get a crow probably every 30 minutes or so until I get up at around 6. You don't need to set an alarm. You never, have never then again. You have a snooze. Yes. <laughs> the best snooze button ever. <laughs> exactly. Yes, he is the best ever. So when I get up, I go into his room, open the door. He'll come out. He does wear chicken knickers where maybe some of our clips will definitely get for your listeners. Yes. Where's little chicken knickers made by a wonderful rescue called Rooster Haas in Washington State. They're handmade. So I change his chicken knickers like you would any child. And he walks into the kitchen with me. I have the coffee on. Sometimes we have coffee together, depending on how busy my day is. And then the dogs wake up, his brothers and sisters, which are rescue pups. And Bree is just part of the house, just like our rescue dogs are. He'll find a patch of sun and he'll sun himself. When grandma and grandpa come over, he sits on their laps. And then he likes to do podcasts or educational programs. If I'm teaching a wake up with free program, he's our, are you ready for this? Guest speaker. Yay. Love that. Does he go to schools periodically? So pre-pandemic, yes, we were in the classroom. Uh, Right now we are virtual, but we are hoping to get back in the classroom soon. So that's right. You're excited. He said yes. Get back in there. He loves being with the kids. So for now it's virtual, but yes. And then the kids can meet Brie face-to-face. So we were talking about watching Brie read the paper with grandpa and hang out with grandma. How special is their relationship? It always warms my heart, Holly, when I see the three of them together. Brie will actually cry if he hears my mother, his grandma, and he's not in the room with us. I have a little pup tent for him and he'll be, and he'll actually whine. Won't you Brie? Like I hear grandma. I need to see her. When it comes to grandpa, they truly are bonded. Whenever my dad comes in, Brie can be upstairs, sound asleep on my bed and he'll wake up and he'll run down the stairs. <laughs> and get this like 
chicken run while he runs as fast as he can to get to my dad and just we'll do the happy dance for him. And one of my best memories, Bree and I had been traveling, doing some programs and we got back, we've been gone for almost three weeks and I wish I would have had my camera, but it's a wonderful memory. Bree saw my dad walk across the yard and he flew. He got about six feet <laughs> and, you know, flew to him. Oh my goodness. I love, love it. it. We have to meet you guys in person. Definitely. Absolutely. We have to meet halfway and have lunch and coffee and just hang out. Because, I mean, he is one special chicken. He is amazing. Yes. And you know what's funny? I was thinking about that the other day. Like he is, he's such a special chicken. And I realized that I look at Brie and I don't see a chicken anymore. I just see Brie. Like sometimes it has to register. Usually when I'm kissing his beak, like Brie is a bird. Brie is a chicken. Like he he has such a big personality and he's so full of love that I just see him as Brie. And it's only when people come over that haven't met him they're like oh you have a, you have a chicken in your house and i'm like oh yeah i guess i do we have been telling everyone as long as we've been on the podcast how awesome of a companion chickens can be for people roosters especially roosters are oh. amazing house yeah, pets because we always tell everybody you need to have a rooster plan before you start to have chickens you need to know what you're going to do if you have a rooster there are a lot of roosters in the shelters they're the most amazing house pets. The thing with roosters that I find remarkable and Brie continues to amaze me is they're extremely protective, right? That's a rooster's main job. They protect yeah. their flock. So whether that flock are hens or in my case, Brie's flock, it's myself, my parents, our rescue pups, they are very protective and they're very loyal because of yeah. that. And I always say roosters get a bad rap because some people say, oh, you know, roosters, they're so mean. And I always, in a positive way, correct them and say, well, you know, is the rooster you met, was that rooster with hens? And usually the answer is yes. And I say, well, the rooster is doing his job. He's protecting his hens. So they're really not mean. They're just very loyal and protective. And I think when people make that connection, we're hoping to really amplify that rooster's voice or that crow so people know, yes, they make amazing animal companions in the house. They love to snuggle. Bree loves to be cuddled, especially at night. You asked about our daily routine at night. We have a little song we sing before he goes to bed and he'll just nestle his little head in the crux of my shoulder. Like, okay, time for bed. They're They're very sweet. It's so sweet. Roosters have enormous hearts. I've always kept roosters as long as I've had chickens. Right now I have eight roosters. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Two of them were breeding roosters that we kept. Two were rescues. And then my husband and I are doing very limited conservation breeding of a critically endangered type of chicken. Wow. They're these tiny, beautiful little chickens called nankins. They're beautiful. And when you hatch, you tend to get more cockerels than hens. That's just the way the genetics work. So we set up a bachelor flock on the other side of our farm. And our little boys live happily together. I'm a rooster lover from way, way back. And Chrissy is too, even though she doesn't have any. (laughs) I'm like, look, I can snuggle every single time I want. That's awesome. But they have enormous hearts and they do make the best house pets. And they're some of the most loving creatures I've ever spent time with. They make an excellent companion. They do. And with the diapers now these days, with wearing their knickers, it's so easy to keep them in. And just creating their emotional capabilities. They're huge. And loyal is an excellent word for them. It is. Very loyal. They're very yeah. loyal. And, you know, I always say much like a cat or dog, which is that common pet companion that we think about when we think about having an animal in our home or what I call a furry or feathered friend, Bree will meet me at the door when he hears the garage door with my rescue dog. So he's very much is acclimated himself to living inside. He does love to be outside. Now, if it's sunny outside, you know, he's out in his coop, you know, chickens do, they need that outdoor time. Yes. Like I think yeah. all of us do, but no, he's very content. As you can see with during our podcast, he's just looking at you and listening and Hi, buddy. Um, very happy rooster. I just love that comb. His yeah. comb is fantastic. It's magnificent. Kerman waddles are just gorgeous. Okay. So we're talking a lot about his brothers and sisters, the dogs. Did they acclimate to him or was it the other way around? It was really Brie coming in as a chick 
because right. even though I was in New York most of his baby life and my one dog, Claire, who's our matriarch, she's just the sweetest. All my rescues are sweet, but Claire is very mothery and she would watch over Brie. Like if he would try to climb the stairs, she'd watch him. One of the funniest pictures I have, and I will make sure to send it to you because Brie as a chick climbed into their dog bed and two of my dogs are looking at him like, what's happening here? Like, this is our bed. We're not, we don't want to be rude, but, and he's just like, well, this was a soft place to sleep. So they get along famously. I will say this, you know, roosters, you know, chickens, he has his beak. That's how he communicates sometimes. So I never leave them unattended. Right. Yeah. On any given day when we're in the house, I know generally where Bree is and where the dogs are just to keep everyone happy and safe. But for the most part, if I yell treat, all four of them come running. She's like, mom, you said it. <laughs> the magic word is waiting. He's waiting. And we yeah. love that he's a leghorn. I just love that about yeah. him. He's an exotic Legorno. In Italy, they call them Legornos. And- Legornos. Well, you know then with leghorns, they're one of the loudest of all the rooster breeds. I got to admit, sometimes I'm like, whoa, Brie. <laughs> <laughs> So we've had a couple of guests on who keep house chickens. I mean, this is something we're pretty passionate about too. Over the years with Brie, what kind of tips have you come up with to make keeping a house chicken easier? Well, definitely those chicken knickers, you know, couldn't go by without them. The first year I did not know about chicken knickers. I was cleaning up poop 24 seven. Yeah. We'll have to link to where you get them so that. What's her company called? Rooster Haas and it's H-A-U-S, Rooster Haas. Ah. I'll send Ah. you all their info. So definitely the chicken knickers have helped. Having a space that's just breeze. Sort of like, you know, we all have our little haunts and spaces. He has an extra large pup tent like that you would normally buy for a puppy. And his roosting bars in there and his food. He definitely needs breaks during the day, you know, just to chill out. And I know this because he will either start pecking my feet or he'll literally an auditory whine. <laughs> so he definitely needs some time out and just... If you've ever had a dog, it's it's more like having a dog companion. Brie, having a chicken is, is much the same way. You know, just kind of monitoring them, make sure they have fresh water. But he kind of just does what he wants to do. He doesn't need to be entertained. Does he have a favorite TV show? Well, I'm a little biased. He has his, uh, the Kids for Positive Change series um, that Brie is in. He's in the opening of all the episodes. I would say that that's one of his favorites. <laughs> of course. Of course. Okay, so we're going to change it off. One thing that we're really passionate about is veterinary care for chickens. We say this every time. They fall between the cracks, between basically large animal livestock and companion animals. They are a companion animal. We need to get them in that dog and cat category so that people don't feel bad. There are even livestock vets who specifically treat companion animals. You just have to seek them out. Right. What kind of veterinary care does Brie get? So Bree sees the vet twice a year, every six months, just for a normal wellness check, just like a human or, or a dog or cat companion should get. Testing that poop, you know, you tell a lot by poop, just visuals. I do, I would say weekly checks on him or just, you know, I, I just gently open his mouth, his beak and check and make sure everything looks healthy in there, checking under his wings. So it's just a general wellness. Just this past December, I did take him to a, a specialist that specialized in chickens. My vet here is wonderful and she sees him because she has chickens. So she's knowledgeable about what looks normal and what might look off. But this vet that I found specialized in chickens. And so he just get a more extensive exam and that fecal test, but nothing major and nothing right. that would break the bank just normal care. The thing is with chickens, you don't have to care for their teeth. Take dentals out of plant. It's so much less expensive. Right. I was taking the girls to the shore and one of the girls says to me, there's a billboard with a chicken. And it says, you don't want to be like a chicken. And it's a dentist billboard because it says they have no teeth. No teeth. That's a good one. It's true though, right? It is. But it I... takes away some of the vet care. You don't have to worry about the teeth. Exactly. And it's, you know, it's kind of common sense 101. Brie eats organic food. He eats fresh fruits and vegetables. 
He has time outside to dust bathe, which all chickens like to do when he's outside in his coop. I keep it very, very clean. So there's no mites or bugs. So as long as he's having that healthy environment day to day, he really just needs the wellness exam. You know, with all birds, they have very sensitive respiratory systems. So I would say, you know, kind of looping back to that question of what's a day to day like, really, the only thing I need to be ultra conscious about is if I'm spraying anything, all organic products and eco friendly, but even that might have an essential oil that I don't want him to breathe in. So I'm, I'm hyper aware of anything that he would inhale, basically. The other good thing is, He has a vet for healthy checks. And this is one thing we talk about on the show all the time. When you get chickens, it's time to find a vet, even if you're not having problems. Because say something does occur, you need a place to go quickly. And without having that relationship, it makes it very difficult to get help quickly because you're calling a hospital and they're saying, well, you're not our patient, so you have to wait. So the well visits are just as important to have that relationship with the veterinarian. Most definitely. Exactly. You both know this from having chickens, bumblefoot, because they're on their feet a lot. One summer, I had no idea. I'm talking about all this day-to-day care. I looked at Bree's feet when I was doing his weekly check and I'm like, what? That doesn't look normal because I had established that relationship with my vet that you were just talking about. Chrissy, I called her up. I didn't even need to go in. She's like, take a picture. I sent her the picture. She's like, this is what to do. And within a few weeks, it had cleared up. If it cleared up in a couple of weeks, that means you caught it very early. Yeah. The value of regular checkups can't be overstated. We were just talking about this on an episode a week or two before, talking about geriatric chickens. And that is going to be a real deal coming up soon because the better care we take of our chickens, the longer they are living. And going out and spending the time with your chickens, with Bree, and knowing the routine so that if something's slightly off, you can catch it early and get the medical care that you yeah. need. It's just so important. It really exactly. is. Bree is on an organic diet. He eats Harrison's chicken food. He's been on that since he was a juvenile. And it's a really wonderful fortified food. And then he loves yams, chickpeas. He loves toast. Toast <laughs> with butter. Bree is all over it. Yeah, he'll come running in when he hears the toaster pop up. Um, <laughs> oh, he and he loves toast. to me. He, did. he was like, toast? He heard toast. toast? He was like, Isn't it amazing? The more time you spend with them, you realize they do understand a lot of the words you say. Oh, absolutely. And just the sounds. Um, the other thing, he anything chips related. He'll hear the bag and he'll come running. <laughs> To the point where I have to literally eat my lunch, like shielding my sandwich, because he'll take the whole thing. It's like when my girls were little, when they were like two or three, I'm in the pantry eating a Pop-Tart because I couldn't eat it. Like if I pulled it out myself, they would eat it before me. So I'm like in the pantry hiding, taking a bite so that they don't hear it. It's the same thing. Same exact thing. Yeah. Again, day to day, if I'm having a sandwich for lunch, I have to hide from Brie usually. (laughs) Or share it. When Pete and I bought our house, Pete moved in to work on the renovations. And at the same time, one of our roosters had foot surgery for a very bad bumblefoot. So Casper was living in the house with Pete. And Pete would usually eat his lunch in front of the computer working. He would call me and he would say, this rooster, I've never heard noises like this rooster would make. This rooster is begging. It was really, really funny. Oh, yeah. No, but one of my favorite Brie stories, I had traveled to a, a store with the vegan croissants, which are used to be very rare. And I, oh, I am a vegan, so I was like, oh, a croissant. And I had made this croissant. I had made it with a just egg. And I had some Kite Hill Regatta cheese on it. I mean, this was the sandwiches of all sandwich. It was summertime. I'm like, I'm going to go outside on the picnic table. And of course, Brie was with me. He took the entire sandwich and, you know, he grabbed it off the plate. It's on the ground. And I was like, what What do I do? And so I have to admit, I let him have some and some, I just brushed the dirt off and I ate it. Okay. So I want to swivel a little bit over and start talking about kids for positive change. Cause this is your baby. Also, this is really important. Having two girls, 12 and 17, used to be a vet tech for 15 years and caring for animals every single day. Teaching these children respect of the animals, of our planet, so important. I agree with everything you said. It feels like this is my mission. This is why I'm here. This is why Brie came into my life. 
interestingly enough, even though I had the idea for Kids for Positive Change before 2017, in February of 2017, it became a reality. I established Kids for Positive Change as an environmental education company. I piloted a program in some schools here where I live in Ohio. And in the same year, a few months later, Brie shows up in my life. So it was almost like the universe is like, here are all your tools. Here's your ambassador named Brie. Go and inspire kids. And I think the most exciting thing for me with Kids for Positive Change is being able to amplify student ideas and to amplify their voices and to help students understand how they can create change. Because it's one thing to teach them an environmental program which is part of what I do. Mm -hmm. But it's another thing to give them a choice and say, okay, now I've taught you about these issues and these problems that are surrounding animals and our earth. Now, what do you want to do to solve this problem? And I cannot tell you the kids from kindergarten all the way up to seniors in high school that have developed these take action projects. And you can see some on our website. We have an inspire page. And where Brie comes in is Brie relates beautifully to all kids and surprisingly, get this, to 50-something-year-old adult males. I don't know what it (laughs) is about men in their 50s. It's crazy. I've been to picnics with kids and it's the dads and like the grandfathers that are like, can I hold Brie? And they get so excited. I'm like, sure. But in reaching the, the younger, the preschoolers, the kindergartners, a wing of Kids for Positive Change, as I call it, is Wake Up with Brie. And that is programs and also an interactive website, wakeupwithbree.com, playing on those, his crow, right? He crows wake us up, waking us up to these problems. And I developed the interactive website in partnership with the Pollination Project, which is an amazing foundation, which granted me the money through a Pollination Project grant to create this website where every page showcases Bree's messages. So Bree kind to yourself, Bree kind to others, Bree kind to all animals, Bree kind to the planet. Absolutely. Best messages ever. You know, I have to bring up my 12-year-old Ella because she is a sixth grader in middle school and she just got the first taste this year of after-school clubs. And the one she chose is the environmental club. And they planted trees. They've gone out and painted all of the storm drains to be kind because we're in Maryland. So we have Chesapeake Bay where we are. Yes. Yeah. To be aware that everything runs down the storm drains into the Chesapeake Bay. And I was really proud that she chose that club. My oldest is also, they're very into, we got to save this planet, mom. And I'm like, that's what I want to hear. I'm so excited to meet your girls because that's what it is. It's giving kids that direction to go in. And then by default, they go home and they teach whatever adults are at home, that extended adult family. Exactly. And I think for me, as I said earlier, how Brie found me and Kids for Positive Change found me, I've often felt like I'm running alongside all of this, like, okay, mm-hmm. now what? But this month, February, it'll be five years for Kids for Positive Change. Wow. In April, Brie will turn five. And so we are now on PBS Learning Media and on select PBS stations. We have a lot of listeners that have young children. This is something happy and productive that we can send them that way. Absolutely. I love the message to be kind to ourselves, to be kind to animals. We've had chickens now seven plus years. And the main reason that we snuck the chickens without my husband knowing it, we had to tell them after we got the chicks. Oh, too funny. I wanted to teach the girls some of the things I learned along the way, working with animals every day in my life, to respect and love them. I'm like, we have room for the chickens. They're going to give us an egg that we're going to eat, and we're going to show them so much love and compassion and care. It's going to be amazing, and it really does teach them. They do the chores twice a day with me every day. That's teaching them to care and respect. And that is so important. I absolutely love that. And as you were talking, Bree was very alert. And He likes my voice. He likes it. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm going to tell you this because you touched me personally. I've been on your Instagram page. I'm an avid fan of the Instagram page. I'm always on there looking to see what you're putting on next. I love your series coming out right now. 
a room at a time, and the small changes that we can make in our families, they don't have to be huge. Just a small change in each room to change the world in a positive way. So you had a video about the bathroom. You and Bree came on about the bathroom. <laughs> this is an easy one. That I'm going to put this challenge out to our listeners. I just did this. It's not expensive. You can change, which I did not know, from plastic toothbrushes to bamboo toothbrushes that cuts down on plastic everywhere in the world. The bamboo toothbrushes biodegrade. I went and I took the action and I bought them on Amazon today. Yay. You should put them on our storefront. Absolutely, we can. They'll be there. They're easy to find. You can get bristles that are fun colors. <laughs> Everything breaks down. And it was less than a dollar toothbrush. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. I love it. I'm so happy. Yes, our Make Room for Change January series, we tried to give a lot of tips. And I'm so happy to hear that a bamboo toothbrush is now going to be in your bathroom because they are so much better than plastic toothbrushes in the long run. And, you know, it's, it's about just doing those little things, taking those small steps. As a world, we're encountering huge problems. But if we all act locally and within... <laughs> That's right. That's right. We agree. If we act locally within our own communities and with our own households to do what we can, you know, switching to a bamboo toothbrush, turning off the lights when you leave a room, conserving water. You know, how many times do we brush our teeth and that water is just running, you know, turning off the water. And if you do visit, and I hope your listeners do the wake up with Brie website, we actually have free downloads that you can download for kids. And one of them is a reminder sign to remind you to turn. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Turn off the lights to turn off the water when you're brushing your teeth. You know, these don't have to be major, major changes. They could be simple steps that add up. Exactly. It's really just building new habits in a lot of ways. Exactly. Step at a time. Right. I think this would also be fantastic. We have a lot of listeners who are homeschoolers. I'll link all of your stuff in our show notes so they can easily go. (laughs) Yes. We love that. He does have a big voice. My dad, Bree's grandpa, said this long before Bree said, Camille, before you teach people how to take care of the planet, you have to teach them how to take care of themselves. So Mm -hmm. Bree, kind to yourself. How about Bree, kind to others? You know, Bree looks a lot different than a human than a cat, than a dog. But I always say he wants what we all want. He wants to feel loved. He wants to feel heard, which he is. (laughs) And he wants to be respected. And don't we all want that as a world, as a nation? And so he is an ambassador for those two very key messages that once we have that, that respect and kindness for ourselves and others, then we have the capacity to be kind to animals, and then to be kind to the planet. So it all links together. Being kind to yourself and respecting yourself, I don't feel like that's something that's super encouraged. I agree with you. And on Bree's Be Kind to Yourself page, we actually made it interactive, and we give you tips and kids' tips about how can you be kind to yourself. That's lovely. And And I think teaching kids that as a young age, then, you know, when they're adults, they know how to, as Bree would say, breathe when that day feels like it's spinning out of control. Coping mechanisms, they're taught early and it's just learned to love yourself, respect yourself, and basically be kind to everyone around the world, including animals and including our planet. It's just so important. It's a great message. It's a fantastic mission. I commend you for what you're doing. For years, I would say a positive affirmation that I am manifesting a job where I jump out of bed in the morning. I'm so excited. And I literally do. I mean, yes, do I jump out of bed because I have a certain rooster crowing? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. But I really do. I love what I do. I love Bree's messages. And he's just such a huge part of my personal life and my work life. And if he can influence kids and adults around the world, with his messages, my life is complete. I feel you found a passion and then you've taken your passion and you're helping other people. That's kind of what we're doing. We have a major passion for chickens. If anyone hasn't noticed already. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And we're just taking it out to the world. And I think it just shines through when you're passionate for something 
I can't imagine us doing anything else right now. It's the oh, best like, job in the world. Yeah. And one of the reasons it's the best job in the world is because, A, we get to work with chickens, but because we've met so many absolutely amazing chicken ladies like you. Women who care. Women who care about the animals, who care about other people, who care about the world. It's really just amazing. I feel like we are so stinking lucky to be able to do this. I kind of think it's magnetic. People who kind of have the same vibe and the same feelings. They kind of gravitate towards each Mm -hmm. other in life. Just like Holly Ann was saying, the women that we have met in this last year. Oh my goodness. It's extraordinary people. It's so inspiring. It makes us want to be better people every single day. Absolutely. And you're one of them. We're so glad to have met you. We are going to end this with one very unfair question. We ask everyone this question. Okay. Do you have a favorite breed of chicken? <laughs> well, that's kind of a no-brainer since you're sitting on the back of my chair. I'm looking at you now. I don't think I get away with saying anything but a leghorn, but I'm covering Bree's ears. I do like bantams because they're so cool. <laughs> so do we. I got to send you some photographs of my nankins, which I have to say, I'm totally biased, but they're some of the most yeah. adorable tiny chickens ever. Yeah. And I would say, you know, down the list, um, silkies are just, they just remind me of little Muppets with those yeah. poops and they're, they're so cute. I can see Bree with a pet sister, Silky. Yeah. Yeah. My yep. friend Trisha is amazing. I don't know if you know Trisha. She is mom to a special needs chicken with crossbeak. His name is Poppy. Oh. Her name is Trisha Stone Schumacher and she's an author of a children's book. And she uses her crossbeak chicken in her speech therapy to children. I love that. And he's a chicken ambassador also. And she's been on the show. And she recently got Poppy a companion, Maisie. Maisie is a white silky who lives in the house with Poppy. It's absolutely adorable. The cutest thing. Um, Poppy got himself a silky. Now you need to get yourself a silky. I don't know. There's part of me that feels like if I introduced another rooster or hen to Brie, he'd be like, what? Like, I thought I was the center of attention. It's possible. I would like to share with our listeners, when you're following Brie and me, Brie does have a children's book. It will be out this fall by Imagine and Wonder Publishing, and it's going to be titled Brie and Me, A Rescue Rooster's Journey. And it's a beautifully illustrated book by Lauren McLeod. She's a Canadian illustrator. It was so fun to work with her. And we're really, really excited because it tells Bree's story and his messages. And right now, you have a coloring book out for the children. Yes, called Bree Leave. And they can get that on Amazon, correct? Yes, you can get it on Amazon. If you go to wakeupwithbree.com, you can download um, one of the coloring pages for free. Oh, nice. Okay. Nice. So I'm going to link the coloring book to our Amazon storefront so people can find it easily. And then once the book is published, we'll give everyone a heads up. Awesome. We've got another amazing chicken book available. We're going to have you back on when the book. I I was just going to say, we'll be seeing you way before that. I think a trip is definitely in the works here. Brie loves to travel. So he's on board. Absolutely. So our final question, how has Brie changed your life? Wow. I've been a little emotional. I can't imagine my life without Bree now. It feels like he's been with me forever. He's showed me compassion when I've been having hard days. To watch him open people's hearts and minds is extraordinary. And I think that's probably the major change that he's made in my life, allowing me to see how people can truly change. And how they can start to make that connection between the chicken that they might see just on their plate to like this living, breathing, curious, intelligent being called Brie and just watching that transformation. So that's what feels so special to me at this moment. Do we have another like three hours? Because I could just. <laughs> right. We saved the simple question for the end of the interview. Yeah. Right. We're right there with you. I mean, they take your heart and hold them. Oh, yeah. And every single one of them has a different personality. Their capacity to bond with humans is extraordinary. Gertie, my special needs chicken, she's like Bray with me. She sits with me. A lot of times she sits right next to us while we record. And a stroller. Her stroller's down here. <laughs> she goes to the local breweries. She goes to the store oh. with me. And you get very attached to them because 
I can't say it enough. Their ability to give you love and to feel your love back. And they're highly intelligent, which so many people discount with that. Right. Yeah. And just to see how he connects. We had traveled to a friend's house before the pandemic and Brie had not been back there for almost two years. And recently we went back and he walked into the house and within a minute he was like, oh, I know where I am. And this friend greeted him and he was just at home. It really speaks to their intelligence and their memories. And I have to say, as we conclude for today, at least, Brie can get a little grouchy, you know, he's got a personality, right? It's almost his bedtime. So he's getting a little sleepy. But most recently, he's discovered when I feed the birds in the morning that there's peanuts in the bird seed. Oh, they love them. I don't give him a peanut. He pecks my foot. He's like, wait a minute here. We're fine. Where's mine? <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, we want to thank you, Camille. It's amazing to meet you. It's been so much fun talking to you. I feel like you. lifelong friendship here. Absolutely. Starting. I'm thrilled as well. I, I'm right back at you. It, it, I was so excited to be invited to be on the show, especially with Brie. And we will come back anytime. And thank you so much for all you're doing thank to you. amplify the voices of our feathered friends. Thank you so much. You. It was so great to meet you. We'll have everything up for Bree's links. So yes. Check everything out. Yeah, fantastic. See you later, Camille. Until bye next time. Bye. bye, Bree. We'd just like to say thank you one more time to Camille for coming on the show and bringing Bree as a special guest. I can't think of a better pair to have on our Valentine's Day show. Yeah, it was so much fun. Check out all of her links and follow them at Brie and Me Rooster on Instagram. And Kids for Positive Change on Instagram also. So now it's about that time for... Cracking the eggs. Cracking those eggs. And today's Cracking the Eggs, we're going to be doing red velvet cupcakes. Yeah, fantastic for Valentine's Day or your Valentine. They are yummy. My Valentine prefers straight chocolate. Over here, we like straight chocolate. Okay. So we're branching out a little bit, the red velvet cupcakes. We are. And full disclosure, we wanted to avoid red food coloring for a couple of reasons. Yeah. So we wrote the recipe with the option of using beet powder for your red coloring. So you can do it either way, whichever is your preference. Yeah. This is something that we actually worked on at Easter time with soaking beets for dyeing our Easter eggs, trying to do something a little bit more natural, Mm -hmm. kind to the planet, kind to the earth. Right. The beet powder is a little bit on the pricey side, though. So again, we wrote the recipe so it had both options. You can go either way. We're going to talk about the beets. Or if that's what you have in your cabinet is your red food color, please, by all means, use it. Yep. So this is just a fun little thing. You gave me a really awesome book for my birthday, American Cake. I knew that you would love it. Yeah, by Ann Byrne. And so she does talk about the history of most of the American cakes. Yeah. So she talks about the red velvet. And she said, velvet cakes were a thing in the early 20th century. The red velvet part started showing up in like the 1920s. Right. And it steadily gained in popularity. In 1936, there was even a shade of lipstick called red velvet. Yep. I'm sure you can get it at Ulta now. Probably. By 1951, any kind of a chocolate cake with a reddish tint was called red velvet. In the post-war years, they just became more and more popular. Right. To the point that in 1960, the first prize winner at the Maryland State Fair was a red velvet cake. Yay! Fun little detail. So part of getting the velvet texture of cakes is creaming the butter and sugar first. Right. And then doing alternate additions of your wet ingredients and your dry ingredients. Right. And this is just all the usual cake ingredients. I mean, it's probably everything that you would normally have in your pantry. Yes. I would imagine. Flour, butter, sugar, eggs, cocoa powder, baking soda, and you know what the most important ingredient is? Buttermilk. Yeah. And for the buttermilk, do you just buy regular buttermilk? I do buy regular buttermilk. I know that you can make it by putting vinegar, correct? Yeah. Vinegar or lemon juice or some kind of an acid to crumble it. And you do the same thing for dairy-free. Yeah. That's it. So yeah, this is exactly how you make that. You cream the butter and sugar, you add the combined wet and dry ingredients, and then you bake it. We wrote it up as cupcakes, but you can make it as a layer cake. Right. You know, jumbo cupcakes, anything like that. This is usually served with, I think, cream cheese icing. It is usually served with cream cheese. Historically, what it was served with was called an ermine frosting, which I'd actually never heard of. And it's a buttercream. It's just a buttercream with flour in it, and it's cooked. You can do it 
regular dairy or you can do it dairy-free. Right. So I included that recipe just because I thought it was kind of fun and interesting. You can always do the cream cheese if that's your preference. Even just a white frosting would work. Yeah. And if you don't want to make frosting, you can always just buy a thing of frosting. (laughs) Yeah, why not? Make life easier on yourself. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And there you have it. That's a good one for Valentine's Day, that's for sure. It looks very pretty. So if you make some red velvet cupcakes, please take some pictures and share them on our social media. We'd love to see them. We would. So let's move on to retail therapy. Retail therapy. Yeah. Retail therapy today is one that we've been excited about. And this is a really cool company, a newer company, and they're doing some really good things. And, of course, they have chickens. Holly, do you want to say who we're going to be talking about? The company Send a Friend, and I'd never heard of them when you pointed them out to me. Yeah, I found them and just fell in love with their mission, fell in love with everything they do. So Send a Friend is exactly what it says. A lot of times we send flowers to people. Mm -hmm. And the bad part about flowers. They don't last. They don't last. They're gorgeous, but. But if you have somebody who's not feeling well or a friend you want to send a gift to or. I think this would be lovely for somebody who needed to be cheered up. Yeah. Or like. Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day, a celebration of good news. Just something a little different. And that's why we're using it this week because Mm -hmm. we think this is a great company for Valentine's Day. So send a friend, you actually send a stuffed animal, and they have a big list of all different kinds of animals. The box that comes in is a light blue box, and it says sending you love on the side. It is the cutest thing ever. Yeah, and they put your name on it, on a sticker, and it comes with stickers inside of it. It's really just an amazing little thing to get. So we actually were sent the rooster. Yeah. So this little guy, Rowdy Rowdy the the Rooster. Rooster. Yeah. He's cute. He's adorable. It's super soft. It looks like a big Buff Orpington to me, frankly. I need mine Buffy the Buff Orpington. (laughs) So someone sends you a friend. The box arrives. You open it up. There's your stuffed animal. Apparently. So nicely wrapped. It's really nicely wrapped. The whole thing is beyond cute and really would be a fantastic way to say I love you to a good friend. And the thing is, they're not too expensive when you think about buying flowers. I mean, the cost of them is $28 mm-hmm. to send. And it's something that somebody can have forever. So we're going to have pictures on our social. That's for yeah. sure. But what I want to do is read a little of their mission mm-hmm. because their mission is what is really important to this company. We believe in a future more united by spreading love and positivity around the world. Our care packages are the simplest way to spread love, smiles, and joy, but they contain so much more than stuffed animals. When you send a friend, we donate 10% of your total purchase to nonprofit organizations, sharing our vision of making the world a better place. So within that $28, $2.80 of this is going to a nonprofit organization. You can go on the website and look at some of the nonprofits they've donated to. It's across the board, and they're really fantastic charities. There are animal charities on there. Children's hospitals. Children's hospitals, uh, domestic abuse survivors. Yeah. Just really, really fantastic stuff. I love that you can just go right to the website, choose the animal you want to send. And there's lots. There are a lot of different animals. They all have adorable names. And then you also have the option of additions. Right. Where you can do a bundle. The one bundle I really liked was I love you to the moon and back. Right. So you got to pick your stuffed animal. And then there were socks with moon and stars on them. There are these really cute stickers. This is one of those feel-good companies. It really is. It's amazing. And the other thing is you can actually purchase one to be donated. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, so you can purchase one to be donated to a children's hospital. So a child that's going through something really difficult can have a special friend sent to them. And it's just a way for everybody to kind of spread a little bit of love. The thing I love about their website is also their friendly blog. All different kinds of articles, how to wrap a Valentine's Day gift, 10 of the best unicorn gifts for an adult. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) How to display a stuffed animal if you're an adult. There's a whole blog. <laughs> yes, there's a whole blog. I like that. that. A helpful guide, how to send a care package. So basically, this company is all about spreading some love around with their stuffed animals. And the thing I like about it is it lasts. 
Yeah, and really, it's hard not to go to that website and at least come away with a smile on your face. Yeah, we love our chickens that we got. Yeah, thank you, Send a Friend. We absolutely love these roosters. <laughs> we do love them. They're the cutest. So go on and check out Send a Friend mm-hmm. and check out all the cute animals, especially the little rowdy rooster. Yeah. For all of our chicken lovers there's out there. There's a llama on there, too. I know. There's a sloth. There's everything that you can think mm-hmm. of. And see if there's somebody you'd like to send a friend to. Yeah. Or donate. And you can really feel good that 10% of what you pay is going to a charity. So check out Send a Friend. They're really awesome. Okay, so should we tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next week? I think we can. Next week, we're profiling the Olivager. Yes, we are. That'll be interesting. Our main topic is the skinny on snacks. We're going to take you all the way through nutrition, what to do, what not to do, and lots of helpful tips. Everything about snacks that you can think of. Cracking the Eggs and Retail Therapy combined... We're going to be interviewing Lisa Steele about her new cookbook, Fresh Eggs Daily. Welcome back, Lisa Steele. Okay, so what should we tell everybody to do until next week? Hug your chickens. Every day and kiss them too. Don't forget, we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, please visit our Patreon page patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Thanks for listening.